fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Oh, welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. David Martino. I was I was gonna call you the, the little hairy name, you know, from the other yes. show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Pila, <laughs> Pila. What was that? Pila, Pilo, Pilu. Oh, Pilu, yeah. Pilu. Pilo, the little hairy one. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that a type of gum, too? I don't know. Yeah. I, I've never I, had I'm a remembering gum called something. Pilu. I, I, yeah, I think it was Pilu gum. But you're into all that pee, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> disgusting. You're already disgusting. Oh, oh, it's the end of the week, and it's shameful. <laughs> um, now, speaking of shameful, we're getting into uh, a horror and mm. uh, not a horror, a horror, horror writer, book that we talked about, I think, a week or so ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, it's The yeah. Unholy Triquirta, and it's yeah. Celtic Fairy Tales, Dark Tide Mysteries and Thrillers, book nine. Say that quickly ten times. <laughs> so one of the authors of one of the stories in there is Jason Parent. So thank you for being here, Jason. Thank you for having me on. How how did you get roped into this uh, <laughs> into this book? Now, how do you, how do you find yourself get into? Because um, I've noticed this. You've done quite a few. Um, it seems like anthologies, or you've been part of books with several stories in it and stuff like that. So, how, how does that happen uh, for you? Well, I think you got it right when you called me a horror whore. So, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's the way I like them. I, um, well, it's funny. On, on this story, I was invited to a, a, a different Dark Tide anthology, Crystal Lake, that dealt with Halloween. As So each of these uh, Dark Tide series has three novellas in them. I was working on the Halloween one, and... I don't know, for some reason I felt like writing a Celtic story for Celtic kind of Halloween story. And um, it didn't really fit with the Halloween motive for that novella, but I really loved the story. So I uh, reached out to Joe, who's the principal over at Crystal Lake, and asked him if I could, if, he would, if he'd be interested in doing a, a Celtic version of the Dark Tide series. And he gave me free reign to run with it. That's how this story was born. Any reason for Celtic in your particular case, or did it just sort of happen? Uh, if you if you look at my bibliography, I'm all over the place. <laughs> so I mean, I just I just like to try everything. I like I I'm built it, I'm interested in all mythologies and and Celtic. Uh, I I would say I I prefer writing folk horror and and adding themes to it from different. Uh, you know, different mythologies across the world. And Celtic hadn't been done by me yet, so it's one I wanted to tackle. I have this whole volume of Celtic tales from uh, Flame Tree Publishing that 
I was reading at the time and I was getting inspired by it. So I gave it a shot and I hope the result is uh, enjoyable. Do you have an easy time with editor invites, you know, coming up with stories and coming up with stories for open calls? I know, I know it takes me forever to come up with something. Uh, what, what, what about you? How does that work? Actually, it's the opposite for me. Um, open calls or, or invites almost always trigger an idea in my head and they kind of give me focus as you might find out during this interview i kind of have add i'm all over the place so <laughs> um it gives me kind of it nails me down to a a, a story and gives me focus and, and drive to get something done uh so I, I'm, the ideas just keep coming i don't know if you watched the sandman with that guy uh the episode uh, the guy just keeps having ideas pop into his brain he had to write them down <laughs> i'm kind of like that <laughs> to the point that annoys everybody. That's great. <laughs> but you you always stick to a horror theme, but like it's kind of a darker darker stories. They're not, and you never go off of that, do you? Dark, I guess, would be a good word. Usually, um, well, no, I, some of my sci-fi has been, dare I say, philosophical <laughs> or uh, yes, I, I write horror, sci-fi, thrillers, and dark dark comedy. But I mean, uh, I've gone from literary to pulp to funny, to abstract. I'm just, like I said, I, I like to try. I, the joy of writing for me is to, to you know, have a creative outlet that allows me to try new voices, experience new uh, point of views. I mean, obviously, I can't really step into the point of view of a, 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 a some a Native American from, you know, the 1400s or something, but uh, I guess it wasn't America back then, but <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> The effort is 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 what I enjoy. Yeah, and so when you're when you're doing these, when a, when one of these ideas comes into your mind, and you decide you're going to go with it, how how is that experience for you? Is it is it does the story come to you? Do the voices of the characters come to you? Like what what is that process like? Oh, I'd say it'd be different for novels versus shorter stories. Short stories is almost a plot. Then I figure out what characters I need, and then I breathe life into those characters because I don't want them to be two-dimensional, obviously. Uh, but with novels, I have only a beginning and an end, and then I'm I'm really looking at the cast right off the outset. Who do who do I want to tell this story? What what do I want them to say in the story, and and how do I get there? On a novel, you have more room to get to know your characters or to explain them and explain the situations. And and maybe how they connect with each other. In in these shorter stories, you don't have that same space, the same luxury. How how do you get that to still come across? Like you have to use your words and 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 what you put down uh, carefully. I think right because uh, because me as a reader in a short story, I have to understand the character and the dilemma and the, and what they're going through and why it matters right away. Almost. Well, I think. Uh, I'm pretty economical in my word choices. It is. I don't like filler, so I don't like reading filler. Like Stephen King is is king for for reason, uh, the master. But um, like I was reading uh, Revival, for example, and he had many many pages on 60s music. If you don't have a deep appreciation for 60s music, you kind of lose focus on the novel. <laughs> Conversely, to give the man his due, The Outsider, the beginning of it was this fast-paced police interview um, of 
all, all the suspects in, in, in the crime that went down. And it was some of the best writing I've ever, I've ever read. So I try to stick towards that ladder. <laughs> active, active voice, you know, let the characters be developed as the story unfolds. Uh, no, no, uh, information dumps, no, no wasted space. Do you consider yourself a natural short story writer or a natural novelist? Do you have a preference? Well, this is going to sound kind of BS too, but I'm in the middle. <laughs> I actually find long fiction, like the novelette or novella size, perfect for me. Maybe because I find novels have a lot of filler and short stories don't have a lot to tell, uh, a lot of room to tell a bigger story. I mean, a grandiose story or something with more than just a few scenes. And a lot of people call them short novels too, the, the uh, novellas. So you're still a novelist. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I have written 10 novels, but I, I do prefer, I think I prefer the stories of the link in this unholy tri-catcheroic world. Still debating on how to say that. But <laughs> I, I prefer that. I think I prefer this length. So I have a few novelettes out there that uh, I kind of sell as chat books. Yeah, I think those are some of my stronger stories. So now in this new book, your story is a knot within a knot. So uh, tell us a little bit about that story. What's the premise of this? So that image on Unholy Tricatcher is kind of like the Celtic knot. And a, a knot, it, it, you know, three, three-pronged hunts the try. I don't know if that, that uh, is a very good explanation. But what I try to do is a three-pronged story within a three-author collection. So, again, I was given free reign, so this was like, it was me trying to be absurdly creative, maybe, but uh, it gave me me a lot of enjoyment, because I was the guy that's tying the stories together. My story has three parts, and they are taken from the point of view of three different characters. But while I'm telling that story, I'm weaving in elements of Willie and Curtis's stories, so I set the premise with the plane uh, in a storm, and it crashes. Uh, so it splits. It actually breaks apart in the air. And Curtis's story is pretty much the front part of the plane, while mine is my first part is the the rear. And we we follow uh, a gentleman in the first part that's trying to get home from uh, Italy, a conference in Italy back to America because I know American. That's easy for me to write. <laughs> Started with that, um, and and his ordeal that goes through the night and into the into the next day. Then we look back at Curtis's story, which is pretty much the front of the plane the night before. And my second part is the front of uh, the rear of the plane, different character, and night before. So you, night before as well. So you learn more about the gentleman from a different character's perspective, and some of the other characters that you see in the other parts as well as the characters and, and the other stories. Uh, I'm probably way over explaining that, but <laughs> essentially it's, it, it's just an interwoven piece, and I got to be the guy that interweaves the work of, of some other great uh, writers that, uh, to me, that was just a, a fantastic experience. Did, do you have a point uh, to a story like this? <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> you know, there's only one point. No, but uh, I mean, at the end, is this just purely entertainment then? Like, are, are you, do you have a theme or an idea in this story as well or no? So my, my, my goal with every story is always first, to tell a great story that people are going to enjoy. I, obviously, though, my themes, my politics, although I try to keep them 
subtle. You know, our biases, they work their way in, work their way in regardless. With my first part of the story, it's, it's obvious and probably maybe a little, maybe two in your face, but it's a, it's so, uh, this, we're taking it from the point of view of a man who's gonna survive a plane crash, but then enter, uh, this woodland community where he's making assumptions based on what he sees, uh, assumptions that inevitably turn out to be wrong. And the theme is obvious and my, how I feel about how we, we don't, we're not accepting of other cultures and other perspectives. And, and when we, when we make assumptions about them, we're, we're doing them and ourselves a disservice. Right. So basically a Republican crashes on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say that for you, Dan. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm fine. I, I have no problem saying things. Well, I'm from Massachusetts, um, well, so I mean, I should tell you. I used to be able to say it. I should tell you my politics, but not so much these days. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, the honest truth is it's not really about politics. It's just about a, an idea or a theme, and people have made it political, but it's not that It's not that simple. Do you know how you want to end the book when you do something like this? I knew how I wanted the first part to end. So I needed to read Curtis's story and, and uh, Willie's story to even – an end that satisfies all three of those stories. So my third part, which I didn't really discuss, that is the culmination of all three stories. It, it just wraps it up nicely. So uh, I was very happy with how I was able to do that. Again, I'm patting myself on the back here, but <laughs> I was pleased with the result. Has it ever happened where you get kind of in a place where the story isn't going where you want it to go? Or when you're doing working with other people, writers it, it, they may be perfectly fine there's nothing wrong with them but i'm just saying that sometimes they might take it somewhere you didn't expect yes uh so i i was co-authoring a story with somebody and, and we just had two different ideas on where it should go so we stopped i mean a uh, great author one of my uh, best friends in the business but we're just not a, a good co-author team uh, say, I, I'm actually working on a script with another friend who I didn't think would go well, but uh, it's actually clicking. So uh, I guess you never know until you give it a, your best go. Yeah, we have the author that uh, doesn't like you on the line right now. <laughs> There's probably several of those. <laughs> how does one handle a situation of working with other authors? Like, how is it that you take that process on? Like, if I was to to set up with another author now that I think would be good. What's the basic kind of outline that you use when you, when you call someone? Oh, well, I, I, I would have to say I would be the difficult. I'm not for, for publishers and editors. I am very easy to work with, but if it was somebody that would, I would probably be the difficult co-author if we were working on the same story. Cause I, I do like control <laughs> over the plot and the characters <laughs> And I'm open to other ideas and certainly people have great ideas that are far better than mine. But if it's, if I'm going to be putting the work in, I want to tell a certain story. So. For your controlling yeah, bitch. I'm, I'm a controlling bitch, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of other authors, how, how did you find the horror community? I know I found them on the, uh, the old shock lines forum, but uh, how, how was it for you? The political answer would be there, you know, they're all awesome and great and, and for the most part, that's true. I mean, but it's it, people are people. Uh, every organization, every side of things, politics, and I have your good apples and your bad apples. I've managed to identify those that I think I should stay away from, I think, and, and have had a very 
smooth sailing time, I think, so far. <laughs> now, now I hope I didn't just jinx that, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, name, give us some names and we'll, <laughs> we won't tell anybody. Honestly, I, I, <laughs> no, I've gotten no. in trouble once or twice with, by having good intentions, trying to help people out, I guess. I don't know. It's just weird. The things that people will get upset about. When you're trying to do good things. <laughs> oh, and that's true. That's a that's a hard lesson. Well, I'm also socially awkward, so I'm sure it's the way I, I present <laughs> that probably throws people off. But my intentions are like I like to help new writers. I like to do things for people, and I'm at, and I'm saying it here on your your show that anybody that in the community that wants help, I'm happy to help. I don't know if that somehow comes off wrong, but. I guess it has one or two, two times in the past. Yeah. Well, you know, you do the best you can. That's all you can right. do. Now, you came into writing kind of off a career. So you were you were working in uh, in the legal profession, let's say, and you left that to uh, become a writer. And after you got broke, <laughs> you, you went back to work, but you still write. What kind of what's 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 your thought on writing in the writing world? It's like everything else in that. You know, hard work can get you so far. Connections can get you farther. Other skills like marketing, publicity, branding yourself will get you even farther. And my naivety <laughs> back when I was in my 20s would be like, oh, hard work was the only thing that mattered. And, you know, I've learned since. <laughs> so we'll see how, uh, we'll see how things go now. But yeah, I, I, I'm still involved with law. I, I do some consulting on the side, and I do have a day job as well as writing. So I I do a lot of things. I have my I'll put it uh, uh, I have my pokers in a lot of fires. <laughs> my kind of guy here. I have a lot of pokers. Apparently, <laughs> even better. You gotta get some pictures here. You know, the audience is gonna want to see that. Well, I never made that mistake. Um, send him a picture like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You only live once, you know. Have fun. Uh, okay, so it, what do you hope to get out of the writing experience? Like is it, like when you're setting out to do books and, and writing stories and stuff, do you have kind of a purpose? Or are you just kind of doing it at will and it doesn't matter what happens? It keeps evolving. I mean, as as you get better and, and build your audience, I mean, it was first I just wanted to see if I could. I was good enough to be published. And then it was, well, if, if even a few handful, handful full of people find meaning in what I've written or find enjoyment in it, I'd be happy. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say I wouldn't want to make films out of my, my books or, or, you know, be the next JK Rowling or whoever. Of course I would. I, I think uh, anyone that tells you otherwise is full of. Oh my. What was your favorite story you've ever written? If someone if someone had never read you before, they've never heard of you, which is really hard for me to believe that they hadn't heard of Jason Perot. Yeah. <laughs> so they've never heard of you, and you're at a book signing, and someone says, "What's what should I read that captures you the best in your mind?" What would you What would you tell them to read? I was asked that question probably ten times at the convention I just did last weekend. And I don't, I don't have an answer for it because I write, I like, like I write so diversely, and and with so many different genres and point of views and and styles and voices that it's hard 
to say that. I'd say the one I had the most fun writing was my novel, They Feed. It's because it's a fast paced action horror, uh, 80s style, campy. It's just a lot of fun. So, and, and I could tell I had fun with it because I wrote it fast. <laughs> it didn't take me years and years to write. It only took me, I think, five or six months to finish it. So, well, first draft. So what, what makes a good story for you then? Like when you're reading, um, a book, um, or a short story or whatever you're reading, what is it that keeps you interested? And what is it do you think that at the end of it, you go, wow, that was great. What, what, what things do you look for? So if you're watching like Law and Order or some crime show, and you, you can usually pick out the formula that the story's going to take or and probably pick who who the killer is or the criminal is in within the first 5 minutes assuming they've presented the person in that in that time frame what i like when i'm reading a story is to look for that formula and if they trick me then i enjoy it <laughs> but uh, it's it's rare that i see something original or or or, or i'm fooled if i'm fooled because they gave me no basis whatsoever to make that conclusion <laughs> Then that's a different story. That means they, you know, they just hid the, hid the ball on me and, 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 and are coming out of left field with their ending. Yeah, it's a surprise because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, uh, if they can make me miss the breadcrumbs that they, that they've laid and tell me a, a compelling story, then that is what I get excited about. What, what I'll, I'll review and, and post comments on and push. Uh, I don't have any like, by well, I, I'm sure I have biases, but what I love and promote is 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 100% what I love and promote. And when you're writing your characters, um, what's that process like for you? Like, do you have characters that you absolutely love to write, and even 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 though you maybe you've written their story and it's done, you still think about that character? Yes, uh, the ones I love to write are villains for sure. <laughs> I, 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 well, unless they're disgusting villains, like I've had, I had a, a stepfather that was abusing, uh, one of the main characters and he, he was tough to get into his skin for, for as long as I did. Cause I, 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 I am like the method actor of writing. I would say I try to try to get into the character, fully immersed into the characters so that I can write them as if it, I, I think that that's what, helps me make them seem real or feel real to the reader. Uh, and being in that headspace too long is kind of creepy and gross. But, but the villains that are delightfully nasty, <laughs> uh, that you almost want to root for, especially if they're killing somebody that's, you know, not too, not too likable in, in his own right or her own right. Uh, yeah, I enjoy those the most. But and then I have a novel called Unbalanced where the main character is uh, suffers from some, uh, mental illness, uh, and he's very uncomfortable. And he's so uncomfortable because he's pretty much me. <laughs> and, and that's, that, that's a tough character to be. Do you have an internal monologue? Can you hear your characters? Is that how, uh, you create your character's dialogue? Or is there some other way that you do it? Absolutely. I, I hear every one of them. There's one author that uh, I enjoy. Uh, his name is Rob Smales. He, when I when I've gone to readings, I've seen him read, and 
he's just fantastic. He gives voice to the characters. He's just a fan. I cannot, uh, obviously listening to me now, you probably already want to put a gun to your head, but, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's just a fantastic reader. When I read them in my head, I read like that. <laughs> um, so everybody's have a, has a voice, everybody, and, and I'm probably borrowing subconsciously from actors or, or, or people that I know, but, they all they're all fully fleshed out people in my head and my goal is to make sure they're fully fleshed out on paper as well but when you say you're the method writer then that means you dress up like your characters and then they're killers you go out and kill people and all that too like you just no i just use math (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) that works too right come up with some really good ideas (laughs) yeah do they let you drive or no uh, my, my handlers don't always let me drive. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. So when you're, when you're, do your characters take control of the story sometimes? Oh yeah. I, I always, so that, you know, you've probably heard phrases plotter and pantser. Yeah. I'm like a part-time plotter, I guess. I, I start with, I have an ending usually and I have a beginning and I would probably outline the first three chapters where I want to go, but characters take over scenes, things, they do things that I didn't expect until I write it down on paper and the whole story changes from there. Strange. Has there ever been a story that you have been unable to finish? Yes, but only because it was, so when I first tried to write a novel, it was fantasy. Uh, I learned very quickly. I cannot write fantasy. (laughs) Uh, inventing so the the imagination it takes for to invent races of 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 creatures with their own dialects and or or even languages it it amazes me that people like patrick rothbus george r R. martin can and can conceive well george r R. martin's you know game of thrones uh, a song of fire and ice was pretty based in reality well Okay, no. Okay, there were dragons. Besides the dragons <laughs> and some zombies. All right, I stand corrected. But <laughs> there, there were a lot of. It was mostly humans and, and normal. But, but someone like James Rollins, who writes, um, you know, Amazonia and, and novels, thrillers like that, that have like these really fantastical elements. It, it's just amazing what they can do. And I don't, I don't have that skill. I, I fully concede I don't. Unless I, I want to try to take 30 years to write it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say take 30 years of math. And- yeah, well, okay, <laughs> I could do it. You'd be in a fantasy then. What, so what, what, what would you do that people wouldn't expect from you? Well, I've been toying with the idea of writing a romance because I just want to see if I could. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, nobody would expect that from me. <laughs> well, you know, just, just use a, a different name. That's all. Just don't put it under under your your writer name, and then see what happens that way. Yeah, I'm not sure I could do it though. I, 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 well, what is it? What What do you think that would be difficult in a in a romance then that you wouldn't be able to do? I could probably do the cheesy like yeah, you know Fabio covered type romance novel, but I mean a good one with with where it didn't lean towards melodrama or cheese. I don't know. I, I I I don't I don't think that I'm unromantic as a person. Uh, well, others might say so, but <laughs> uh, I, you know I I can feel those things that I would need to feel to put in that story. But I just don't know if I could craft. I, I like action. I like 
fly, things that, you know, keep you excited. And I just don't know if I could do it, <laughs> but I'll let you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's a different, it's a different feel, right? To it. So you, you, it's hard to put a lot of action in romance without it getting. I don't know if I could do what you do either with the, with the true crime. Cause then it's too real. Just it, whether it's in your mind or whether it's in the physical world, it's the same, really. It's, it's, uh, it, the, the advantage of true crime is that, um, you kind of don't have to do a lot of imagining of what a person is doing or what they're like or what they, you know, what happens. You kind of know what happens. It's more about the research and finding the information. So I don't know. It's, it's okay. You have to have a hard nose, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think it would be more like Dragnet, you know, if I'm misquoting just the facts, ma'am. I think it was. <laughs> I, I don't think I'd put, like, my own I'd – I'd feel free to put my own opinions or emotion into it. Yeah, and that's, that's okay in a sense. We just talk to an author like that. And I know I don't in some cases because sometimes it's not warranted. There's not a right right time and place for you to be giving an opinion. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes you can get your opinion out by what some of the people say that you talk to, you know, uh, interviewing someone in prison and, and when they start telling you why they did something or how they, or how they did what they did, sometimes that says it all. It, I don't have to give an opinion. Just me writing that makes people kind of go, wow, this person's a nut, you know? And I don't have to elaborate. So have you um, read Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door? No. I turned the interview around on you. You like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have... Go for it, man. Get the whip out. Yeah. He, 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 oh, it's just this brutal story based on true crime uh, about what uh, I think there were neighbors did to a, a girl, a young girl. Awful story. Awful story, but so powerful and well written. And he, he, like, you read that story and you, you just, you just floored afterwards and gutted. And how he could do that with so much tact and taste, I, I my hats off. So I, I think that that would be the same for most true crime writers. Uh, if they can pull it off with tact and taste and class, then I, I, I don't know if I could. Yeah, well, I think I think you could if you've got a heart, and it sounds like you do. I mean, you're kind of, you know, all over the place. But I think that you 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 generally care, and I think that's all it is. You know, when you read back something and and you're not sure, a lot of times you can attach it to how would I feel if this was my brother, sister, daughter, friend. You know what I mean? Like you attach it to yourself, and if you're if you're a reasonable person, then you kind of kind of kind of go well. Yeah, I should do it this way or do it that way. Uh, and there are writers that don't, believe me. There are some that are savages out there. Yes. <laughs> I'd say you're making the assumption I'm a reasonable person. Well, reasonable <laughs> when you're not on meth. <laughs> oh, meth is just one of many drugs that we <laughs> yeah. You can tell. You've got a uh, sincere voice that, that comes out. So I think that it's... I think it's just choosing, you know what I mean? Because you yourself, when you say that with the tact and the class and all that, that means you know kind of what's right and what would be wrong in that particular case. And that, that that's that's the way you go when you're doing it. And if you have that, so you'd be fine. So get on the true crime. Next story. Well, I, I'd say one of my novels, A Life 
removed is very far removed from the satanic panic, but it takes place in Fall River, where I grew up, actually. So uh, I don't know if you've done anything with the satanic panic, but it, it was it, that that was something that I I wouldn't say I lived through, but I lived adjacent to. No, I well, I didn't do anything writing wise other than I I interviewed uh, the head of the church. Say, say, the uh, Church of Satan and the traditional Church of Satan and the uh, there's a the third one the Luciferian. So I, I I talked in great lengths to quite a few of them, but I don't um, I haven't uh, you know Satanic Panic was just more you know Geraldo Rivera and the rest of the yeah. silliness <laughs> that went on and uh, you know people buy into it. It's it's what amazes me is more about people's reactions, not so much what what was said. But how people react to things, just like they do today, and just like they did with the pandemic and anything, and that's probably something you're aware of. Is, is it how people react to your stories? So, did that does that ever surprise you? Uh, yeah, th- talking about that, a life removed. I got a one star review, and, and I finally get to say this. I don't usually talk about reviews, or, or and I never bash a review, obviously. Are, but it said, if you like this novel, you are sick. I'm like, oh, that, that's actually a good sound, but for, for <laughs> I don't think they, they meant it as positively as I took it, but <laughs> that's fine. You know, and per- personally, I don't, I, I'm not really a fan of a lot of the reviews sort of systems, but I, you know, you got to take it as it comes, right? Um, in a way, that is a good review, in a sense. Yeah, I, I'd say when I, when I first started, I mean, I've been writing for, uh, two decades now, and I, it's like I started publishing under this name in 2012 or so. So uh, I used to I used to monitor the reviews, and never responded to them or anything. But I, yeah, you know, and, and it hurt when you got a bad one. Now it's you, you get a thick skin after after a certain amount of time, and it's just oh well, you know. Hopefully you'll win them over on the next one. Yeah, I think a lot of times the review isn't it sort of more about uh, where they're at and where they're coming from. I mean, when when you try to tell a story to someone that doesn't live in the same sort of circumstance that you live in, it, you might be totally alien to them, and what you write might be totally off to them. So a lot of times it's it's really kind of their their circumstance. Right, uh, but if you tr- if you stick to the universals, I mean, everybody, if you hear the phrase love is love, and I mean, everybody knows, but most people, most people have felt the full range of, of, of human emotions and, and, and the full spectrum, but, you know, obviously everybody's different, has different degrees of how they feel about things, and, but they all know what it feels like to be, say, an outsider or... Uh, even if they're the most popular person in the, in the world, they've at one time felt like an outsider or felt inadequate or, or, or just like, and if you just, if, if you, if you know how to write well and you know how to convey that emotion to, I think anyone, regardless of their background or, or their personal beliefs. Right. Right. It's like being uh, lonely in a crowded room kind of idea, but, I, but I think what I'm saying is that, um, you know, a person might read something and uh, it might be too close to real for them. It might hurt too much. And therefore, you're getting a one star. I, I, I won't 
try to decipher their thought. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be that I'm, I'm well aware that my stories will not work for everybody. So uh, I'm okay with the, the one stars and the five stars and anybody in between. That's right. Well, I hunt down my one stars and I, I make sure they're, they, they're eliminated. There was the phrase, unalived. <laughs> we eliminate them, you know. We will, we will not want them. I got enough other stress uh, in my life to, I, 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 to not be worried about those people. <laughs> those folks. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the thing not to worry about, really. Just look at the big picture. So, listen, um, people, uh, where can they find you? Like, are you hanging out in bars? Are you in... Uh... I'm usually hiding under rocks or... Hiding under rocks yeah, maybe in a case. bridge? Yeah. I'm all over social media. And, and, well, I have my Facebook page, author page, authorjasonparent.com, Twitter, Instagram. Haven't done the TikTok thing yet, but everybody's telling me I should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd be amused. Get on there. I'll, I'll do one of those <laughs> little jump videos, and all of a sudden I'm naked. There you go. <laughs> See, now there. I'm on it. I'm on it. Get on this right now. I'll sell one book. <laughs> yeah, I'll buy one of you. <laughs> And I'll give you a good rating. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. And now, do you have a website? Yeah, authorjasonparent.com. Perfect. Probably pretentious that I put the author in, but I set it up when I first started, so. <laughs> oh, well, actually, no, It's in a way, it's a good idea because so many people have websites and names up, and, and it's kind of good in a sense because if there, there's other Jason parents out there, then you won't you'll be more distinguished because you're a writer, author, Jason Parent, rather than just Jason. There are definitely a lot of Jasons with parents out there. So <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of parents that have Jasons. Yeah. So what's next for you? So this book's out now and you're promoting it and stuff. What what do you, what what can we expect from the Jason next? Well I'm I'm working working on a script, as I mentioned, and we we already have a plan to pitch it to a fairly a uh, decent horror studio. I don't know how much I can say, but that that's being that's in progress. Other than that, writing wise, I, I it's been tough lately. I'm not. Um, I have a collection coming out in September down in the deep dark places uh, that you can make a joke about. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and then and then another collection of Halloween stories coming out next year. Uh, Halloween is. And I grew up loving Halloween. And I think I, I think it was David on one of your other things. You uh, no, it was your, the author you guys had on uh, with the mystery. Um, he has a whole mystery series. He said something about uh, dressing up and cosplay. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, I gotta enjoy that myself. <laughs> so uh, I've always loved Halloween. I think that shows in my Halloween stories. It's just the love and the spirit and the the kind of mischief that goes with that night comes out in my, in my Halloween stories. So I have high hopes for that collection as I do think it is my best writing. Well, there you have it. Now you have an answer for that other question. Oh yeah. Once it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so you tell people it's coming. What do you, how do you like writing a script? Is it quite a bit harder than writing normal books, normal books, but just books? Harder? No, but definitely different. Um, I, I, I mean, I think dialogue is one of my strengths, so that part is obviously very important in the script, as it is in, in your novel. Uh, the camera directions are, are what's what's different, really. Like, 
we see uh, fog rolling in from, you know, across the otherwise empty valley or something. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along, but uh, it's really not that much than describing a setting. It's it's just the way you do it. And I mean, I didn't know what the word super meant for <laughs> in a script writing. I, uh, that just means we see if uh, essentially, but uh, and I'm probably getting that wrong, and I'm gonna. My script canceled. <laughs> In the, you say that you know dialogue's strong point. What do you think? What's the important thing about a dialogue? Do you, do you when you write dialogue, do you say it out loud or or yes, rerun it through your head? Do you want because because it has to sound it has to be something someone would really say, right? Right. To quote King, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm quoting him right, but or paraphrase King. Then he said. Don't say he defecated. Say he took a poop. I had to change the last word. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I I keep reading when I edit for other when I edit other people's works. It says he departed or something. To say he left. Why are you using or instead of uh, a lot of authors like to put instead of he said, they put he communicated or he exclaimed or he whatever. Yeah. 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 It, it's. No. <laughs> yeah. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you mean, you know. But, you know, times I think in a writer's mind, they're probably thinking uh, that's something you do when you're new, usually at the beginning, because you don't want to use the same words too many times, right? You think about all those weird things. Use action tags then, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, at first, there's, it's overwhelming the very first time you write something that, you know, it can be. True. That's great. So now we know. Um, Jason dresses up like his characters. He pretends to be them. Oh, I'll send you a picture you'll like. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. As long as you're not going to post it. (laughs) I don't post pictures, but I like them. (laughs) Well, Jason, we appreciate you being here, and uh, we'll put everything up on our website. People will be able to find you real easily. So hopefully your new book does well, and, and it sure looks very interesting. So it's an unholy triquerta. Celtic fairy tales, dark tide mysteries and thrillers, book nine. And, of course, Jason Parents, the, one of the writers and our guests, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jason. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.